The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Greetings all. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me today. And today, well, today's sort of a ranting day. I've got a couple of things that I want to get off my chest based on some things I've been seeing the last few days. Coming up a little bit later on, some news of an indictment, a massive indictment that came down earlier today out of Massachusetts, the federal government looking into some parents and some other people who have been basically cheating the system to get their kids into upper echelon schools. That annoys me for a lot of different reasons. I've got some thoughts on that that I will share with you, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. But first, I want to spend some time talking about Fox News, some of the comments that they decided that they were opposed to and rebuked, and others that they're going to apparently let go on without any trouble. We'll talk a little bit about the double standard at Fox News and and the fact that they have to apologize for these people continuously for stupid things that they say is something that I want to get to today. So that's all coming up on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Stay with me. We'll be back in just a little bit. Hey, and thanks for joining me for the show here on Deadline Detroit. I am Craig. Appreciate the fact that you are with me today. And I want to talk a little bit about Fox News and a couple of different hosts that they have in their evening programming. One, Judge Janine Pirro. The other, Tucker Carlson. Both find themselves in hot water this week over remarks that they made. Judge Pirro's remarks were just in the last few days, while Tucker Carlson's go back several years to when he was a regular guest on the Bubba the Love Sponge radio show. And if you're not familiar with Bubba, he, of course, is a shock jock, I believe based in Florida, who specializes in saying stupid things, and he gets paid for it. And he gets paid a lot of money because people like to listen to him for some reason. But we'll get into that a little bit later on. And, and the interesting thing is when you read the transcripts of the Bubba the Love Sponge stuff with Tucker Carlson, he actually comes across as the rational person, whereas Tucker Carlson comes across as basically a caveman wearing a bow tie. Like the Geico commercials, the caveman might be offended at the comparison. So we'll get into this in just a little bit. I want to start with Judge Janine Pirro. Judge Janine Pirro said some things that many people could rightly suggest are incredibly Islamophobic. She was talking about Representative Ilhan Omar and, of course, some of the remarks that she made the other day that many people suggested were anti-Semitic, where she called out whether or not money from AIPAC was influencing the U.S.'s relationship with Israel, whether there was some sort of dual loyalty And again, these are tropes, anti-Semitic tropes that have been out there for a long time. This notion of dual loyalty. Are Jews actually loyal to the United States or are they loyal to Israel? This has been going on for a long time. It's been going on with every religion. And in fact, it actually happens to Muslims as well, as Judge Pirro herself points out in her comments from just a few days ago. Now, I want to read you what she had to say on this because I think it kind of matters. And uh, she was asking in particular about whether or not wearing the hijab suggests that Representative Omar, a representative in Congress, adheres to the Constitution, something she swore to do when she was sworn into her office. Here's what she said. Think about it. Omar wears a hijab. Is her adherence to this Islamic doctrine indicative of her adherence to Sharia law, which in itself is antithetical to the United States Constitution? Now, how many times are we going to hear about Sharia law in this country? I've heard that Dearborn's under Sharia law for the last 20 years almost. I'm sorry. Yes, Dearborn is a multicultural town. It is not under Sharia law, people. 
And anybody that suggests it is, just come down and visit sometime. So anyway, Judge Pirro says whether or not, asks whether or not the hijab is somehow suggesting that she's not going to follow the U.S. Constitution. Now, here's the interesting question for Judge Pirro. So basically, in a country that has religious freedom, where you can wear what you want to wear, if you want to wear a turban if you're a Sikh, you are allowed to do that. If you want to wear a hat if you're an Orthodox Jew, you can do that. If you want to wear ashes on your forehead because you're Roman Catholic on Ash Wednesday, you can do that. And nobody can tell you not to. Now, does somehow somebody having ash on their forehead suggest that they're going to be more loyal to the Catholic Church and the Vatican than they are to the United States Constitution? I highly doubt that. And I don't think anybody would ever question whether or not that was the case. So the Islamophobic nonsense coming from Judge Pirro's mouth is just, again, a continuance, a continuance of the anti-Islamic rhetoric that exists in this country in the political sphere. And it's been going on for a long time, since way before 9-11. It has ramped up recently. We're seeing a rise in the number of people who are basically uh, targeted for their religious beliefs. It's been happening in this country, and there's a lot of different reasons for it. But Fox News came out and roundly criticized this, wanting to distance themselves from this Islamophobic rhetoric and saying that they're going to deal with this internally, but she has been told, and she, of course, came out and apologized. Now, here's what Fox had to say in a statement. They said, We strongly condemn Janine Pirro's comments about Representative Ilan Omar. They do not reflect those of the network, and we have addressed the matter with her directly. Now, whatever that means, I'm not sure. But Tucker Carlson is another story. And so far, the network hasn't said anything about the stuff that came to light from him. And Tucker goes, you know, full bigot, says bad things about women, bad things about Muslims, bad things about people from Iraq, bad things about African-Americans, all kinds of stuff. Oh, and also making jokes about having sex with underage girls. So some of the things that he did, uh, there's some tapes where he basically calls a woman the C word. I'm not going to say what he said. He called Iraqis primitive monkeys said the people in Afghanistan were not civilized, that white people were responsible for advances in civilization. He uses a derogative term towards homosexuals. Yes, I understand he's trying to shock, he's trying to provoke, and he knows the audience that's listening to that program. The fact is, he is not apologizing for any of this. In fact, he went on his show last night and says he's not going to fall victim to the mob mentality. So misogyny, racism, homophobia, he called it just naughty talk, that's all. Well, I think what we got is a glimpse, glimpse behind the bow tie as to what's going on in this guy's mind. So here's what Tucker Carlson had to say after his remarks came to light. He said, there's really not that much you can do to respond. It's pointless to try to explain how the words were spoken in jest or taken out of context or in any case bear no resemblance to what you actually think or would want for the country. None of that matters. Nobody cares. You know the role you're required to play. You are the sinner begging the forgiveness of Twitter. I vow never to bow to the mob, ever, no matter what. Now, here's the thing. If you listen to the tapes, if you actually listen to the tapes, this stuff rolls off the tongue. This is not in jest. There's nothing that was taken out of context. These certainly sounded like a guy who was basically telling you what he felt and what he thought to an audience that he knew would lap it up. Now, what we don't know, what we don't know is whether or not Fox News is going to do anything about it. But Tucker Carlson calling women primitive, using the C word, saying that people from Iraq were illiterate monkeys, saying that white people were more responsible for modern civilization, ripping on Michelle Obama, saying that she was going to drag down President Obama because she had a dangerous side, that she was somehow too street. Just typical, typical stuff from a guy like Tucker Carlson. 
Now, I don't know what they're ever going to do to him. I don't know if Fox News is going to uh, punish him in some way. But I'm sorry. He just showed us who he was. He's been showing us who he is all along. Judge Pirro showed us who she is. She's been showing us all along. We are willing to let this go. We're willing to have a network that basically has hosts that are willing to peddle in conspiracy theories, in racist and misogynistic tropes, in an effort to make us fear each other, to make us mistrust each other, or think that somehow we are above somebody else. If that's something that you need to make you feel better, then you need to re-examine your priorities. You need to re-examine where you're getting your news, because if you need somebody else to be below you in some capacity, then maybe you're the one that needs to climb out of the hole. Fox. Take a deep look at what you've got going on. You've got some decent hosts over there. Chris Wallace does a good job on Fox News Sunday, I think. Don't always agree with him. Shepard Smith, pretty honest guy, seems to try to do a good job. And there are some other people that are there. But you also have people like Judge Pirro, Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, whose sole purpose, sole purpose is to throw red meat to the base. Red meat to those people you know aren't going to tune anywhere else to keep them there, to keep them afraid, to keep them watching, keep them buying that crap that you sell, survival kits, gold. I'll give you this much, Fox. You know your audience, and you know which buttons to push to keep them invested. But man, this stuff's got to stop. And if you can't see it, and if you can't see that the people that you have on there are feeding the monster that is our mistrust of each other, that is our hatred and our growing antipathy and our growing animosity, and are growing fear, if you can't see that you're feeding that monster and giving it life, then you're the problem. You're part of the problem. When we are afraid of each other, when we mistrust each other, that's when bad things happen. And one of the things that Tucker Carlson said to Bubba the Love Sponge that I think is really, really important, this is back in 2008 he was talking about this. He said, we need a candidate who isn't afraid to say the wrong thing, isn't afraid to be racist, isn't afraid to, to, to be anti-Muslim. And say, I'm going to kill every last one if you elect me. That's what I want to do. That's what we need. That guy will get elected because that's what America wants. Well, Tucker, you were right, unfortunately. They voted for that guy. You helped. You helped build that monster. And now we're dealing with it. And yes, are there a lot of issues that are coming to light that we're going to have to deal with as a nation? Absolutely there are. But you know what? It's time for that stuff to crawl back into the slimy hole that it came out of. And that includes Tucker Carlson. That includes people like Judge Jeanine Pirro, because you can sit there and say, well, I don't hate anybody, but if you're sowing fear and you're sowing division based on religious, sexist, homophobic language, racist language, you're the problem. You are the problem. I, for one, would rather learn to get to know people and learn more about different cultures in different parts of the world. My automatic reflex is not to be afraid or to fear them. Whether it's immigrants, whether it's people of different religions, that shouldn't make us afraid, yet we allow it to every day and every time that we let somebody on here spewing this kind of crap. So Fox, you did the right thing with Judge Pirro in terms of saying that she did the wrong thing. What are you going to do about Tucker? Because he says he's not going to bow to the mob. Well, you know what? He can stand out on a soapbox on a corner screaming his crap all he wants. Doesn't mean he necessarily deserves a seat on your network. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. One-stop shopping for all your news. 
Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor, and The Trip, wise relationship advice with hosts Megan Slattery and Tracy Evans. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Craig Folly Show on this Tuesday. And, uh, you know, some breaking news today that I wanted to get to, and it's not necessarily something that has to do specifically with Detroit. Uh, in fact, it has a lot to do with California, and it has a lot to do with um, assumed privilege and wealth and this notion that kids must go to elite colleges to be successful. Maybe you saw the news today that a couple of uh, famous actresses, one Felicity Huffman, the other Lori Laughlin. They're among dozens of people who have been formally charged, formally charged in a college admission scam. There was a man named Singer out in California that was charging people a bunch of money, funneling it through a fake charity to basically find ways to get them into these elite colleges, places like Stanford, Georgetown, Yale, USC, and some others. Some of the lengths that these parents went to to get their kids into these elite colleges makes you wonder what the heck is going on with the system. Now, there is nothing new about parents buying their way into college. We've seen that done at, at Ivy League schools and prestigious universities for decades, whether or not somebody builds a library on campus and, or is a legacy. But colleges have been changing their ways in regards to that in recent years. You've seen Harvard specifically move away from that type of a model in trying to boost the inclusivity of their programs, make it available to the smartest kids, not the wealthiest kids. That's the way that it should be. When you look at what the parents were willing to do to guarantee their kids' admission to these well-to-do schools, things like things like pleading with the people that run the ACT that their child has a learning disability so they'd get more time to take the test, and in some instances, having somebody else take the test for their children, faking their participation in sports programs, photoshopping photos of them in team photos and everything else, pretending that they were being recruited for their athletic prowess or their academic prowess, of which they had neither. In an effort to get them into these elite schools, it makes you wonder what the heck is going through these parents' mind. And does the kid know any different? My son got into college on his own. He worked his butt off. His mom and I, God bless him, he's a smart kid. He worked really, really hard. He volunteered. He did all kinds of neat projects, participated in music programs, and studied his butt off to get into college and get scholarships to do so. And I'm incredibly proud of him every single day because if he needed a good grade in math to get him into college, I was not going to be able to help him on that one. He did it on his own. That's the way that it should be. And he got into a good school. But he wasn't looking at Harvard, he wasn't looking at Yale, and he certainly didn't look at it as if not getting to one of those places was going to be the end of his life. And I certainly didn't care what school he chose to go to as long as he went to school in some capacity. Had he decided he wanted to learn to become an auto mechanic, I would have been excited about that because it was something he was passionate about. That's all I wanted for my son, was to get into a program that he would be proud of and something that would set him up for later in life. That's what you want. That's what you should want for your kids. And when you look at somebody like these two actresses that I mentioned earlier on who've had a lot of success in their fields, why are they so desperate to make sure that their kids have this advantage? I get wanting to do everything you can for your kid. I get that. And you take a look at the indictment that was handed down and the lengths that some of these folks went to. Again, it's just astounding to me that their sense of self-worth is so reliant on the achievements of their kids. If somehow your life is incomplete, if you can't say, well, my kid got accepted to Stanford or my kid got accepted to Yale, then there's something wrong with you. You do not have to go to an elite university to make something of yourself and to make yourself proud of the work that you have done or what you've accomplished. It does not have to happen that way. Does it open certain doors? Of course it does. 
But you know what? There are more important things than that. The fact is there are a whole lot of kids that work their ass off to be considered by those schools that maybe got maybe got overlooked because some of these people cheated the system. How does that make you feel, Lori? Now, granted, these are allegations. There will be a trial. It's just an indictment at this point in time. But the fact that there are some kids who are getting into schools based on something other than the merit of their achievements, and I'm not suggesting that there are things that aren't going on. There are other factors that always need to be considered in college admissions. What has this kid gone through? to get where they are? What kinds of things have they had to overcome to get where they are? Is a 3.5 worth more in certain circumstances than a 4 point at another institution? Yeah, these are all factors that need to be weighed in, including the struggles that somebody's gone through. I think all of that stuff has merit and is all something that should be considered when considering the entire person that is looking to do this. But I guarantee you, there is some kid from a poor family that is really, really smart and has done a really, really good job that probably got passed over for one of these people because they faked their way in. Now, there's no indication that the schools were involved or were knowledgeable about any of this. They get thousands and thousands of applications every year. One looks like another. They've got to make decisions on their class size. They've got to make decisions on what they can afford to do, how many students they can handle, whatever. And most schools get more applications than they can fill. It does open doors for certain firms, certain places that prefer Ivy League education if they can get it. But at some point, We have to recognize that that is not the be-all, end-all. That does not tell the full story of a person. That does not tell the full story of what this person is about or what they can accomplish. And far too many people are riding their academic coattails far too late in life. I don't care that you went to Yale or Harvard or Brown or Michigan or Michigan State or Western Michigan or Wayne State. What do you bring to the table every day? What experience have you had? I've hired a lot of people over the course of my career, and there's a lot of different factors that go into that. I've had an opportunity to hire people with very, very good academic backgrounds, and I've taken a chance on some people that maybe didn't have the best academic background, just as somebody took a chance on me when I was younger. And it's worked out well in both situations. This is not the end of your life if you don't get into a top-tier school. You don't get into Stanford? Okay, fine. Try UC Davis. You don't get into Yale? Hey, how about the University of Vermont? You don't get into Michigan? Hey, Michigan State, Northern Michigan, Michigan Tech, Wayne State. It doesn't matter where you go. It matters what you do while you're there, what you learn while you're there, what experiences you come away with, and whether or not you found some sort of direction in your life. That's what matters. And I know the students get that. I had it in my mind when I was younger that I was going to transfer to a different school that I really, really wanted to go to because it looked like a cool place to go. And when I got to Western, I ended up staying there because I enjoyed it there. I met a lot of wonderful people. I had great experiences and met lifelong friends that I still see today. Now, I don't look back on those as the glory days. Sure, I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot of stuff and met a lot of people. But everything I have done since then is what defines me as a person, what defines me as an adult, what defines me as a professional. Sometimes I've made good decisions. Sometimes I've made bad decisions. But I'll tell you what, I don't spend a lot of time talking about my school days unless I'm reminiscing with some of the people that I shared them with. Because guess what? That was a short period in my life, a very short period in my life. I've been in the professional world six times as long as I was ever in school. Does a degree from Yale set you up for life? Maybe, maybe it does. Maybe it gets you off the beaten, you know, gets you, gets you off the starting block a little bit better. You get a better starting salary when you start your career. But again, ultimately, you're going to be defined on what you do when you get that opportunity. And you know what? Let those people that have truly earned those spots in those universities have those spots. If your kid isn't up to snuff, guess what? Your kid's not up to snuff. 
Maybe that's on them. Maybe that's on you as a parent. I'm not sure. Maybe it's a combination of both. But your kid doesn't automatically have to be exceptional. There is no expectation that somehow your child is going to be perfect. And it is not your job to fudge their way into a place so you can pretend that they are. Sometimes they're just not good enough for one of those institutions. That's okay. There are plenty of places where they could go and thrive. It's about finding the right opportunity for them, for them figuring out what is the right opportunity for them. This level of helicopter parenting and micromanaging of your kid's academic life, and then when it doesn't measure up, finding ways to cheat to give them an advantage is exactly the kind of stuff that makes the rest of the world really, really dislike wealthy people. It is furthering that privilege to an extent that you're trying to guarantee it for the next several generations of your family that really, really irks people because there are a lot of people that work very, very hard to get where they are and have had to do that for years and years and years. And that you see this indictment coming down and you see all these people that were willing to go to absurd lengths to somehow ensure that their kid has a built-in advantage. If they didn't earn it, let them earn it another way. And going to a lesser school than an Ivy League school is not the end of the world. It doesn't mean you've failed as a parent. It doesn't mean your children have failed. It might just mean, it might just mean that they're trying to figure out their own path and not have you dictate to them exactly what their life is going to be. This is the stuff that ticks people off. Now, we'll see what happens in this trial, what kind of deals are struck, whether or not these people are, are going to get in trouble. But one of the people involved was a sailing coach at Stanford that is now under indictment for this one. A couple of people are still at large that they're trying to find. But you know what? Let your kids figure it out. They're going to end up doing what they're going to do. Yeah, you can help to guide them. But you can't ever guarantee that everything is going to go the way that, that it should. You know, unless you're basically giving them an inheritance that's going to keep them wealthy for the rest of their life, you don't have to worry about it, great. But if your kid doesn't get into Harvard or Yale or Stanford or Georgetown, and I don't want to mention Harvard because that wasn't one of the schools that was mentioned in the story, but still, it's that notion that, that they have to go to an elite school or else somehow you're a failure as a parent. That's on you. That's on your ego. That is on your sense of privilege and what you feel you deserve. You know what, there's a lot of kids out there that deserve to go to these schools because they've earned their way in through hard work. Give them a shot. If your kid didn't, it's okay. There's always grad school. And thank you very much for listening to The Craig Folly Show on this Tuesday. We will, of course, be back tomorrow with lots more to discuss, keeping an eye on quite a few things, as a matter of fact. The legislature is starting to sort of wrap itself around some of the budget proposals, some negotiations going on there about road funding and other stuff. We'll sort of get into that over the next few days. Take a look at that and, uh, and a lot more. And, of course, we might also unpack some environmental news that is coming out of Trump's budget process. We'll take a look at that and whether or not the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative is going to be fully funded going forward. There was a plan to cut it by 90%. What does that mean? And what's the likelihood we'll actually see something like that happen? So far, a lot of bipartisan opposition to that coming out of the Michigan delegation. And I can only assume that Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and New York are in agreement. We'll get into that. I appreciate you listening today. Don't forget, you can download this podcast anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your friends, please share it. If you like what I am doing right now, let people know. It all helps and allow it to keep going. I certainly do enjoy doing it. I know that much. And I appreciate the fact that you are here with me today. We'll talk tomorrow. Have a great one.
The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services.